Would you please join me for a word of prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Thank you for the marvelous gift of music and the words that have a marvelous way of sitting in our soul, transforming our hearts, moving us from season to season, different cycles of life. Be with us now as we consider your word, the word of betrayal, a painful word, but a word that speaks to our hearts and reminds us that we belong to you. Guide our first couple steps down that road to Lent in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes it's hard for me to make that transition from uh, Transfiguration Sunday, last Sunday, where we've got all these hymns that are in these major chords and upbeat and all of that thing. And, and then we come to Lent and it's just a whole different sound, a whole different vibe, a whole different way of thinking and understanding. It's, it's different biblical texts. It's, it's just not so happy. And I like to do happy. It's easy for me to do happy. I tend to be a person with a very happy disposition. I, I don't get down too often. I, I, Lent is hard for me. It's hard because it moves us into some more somber themes. And as our worship team put this series together, I, I thought about kind of scheduling somebody else to preach this sermon. And as the schedule worked out, it just wasn't prudent and wasn't the thing to do because I like to preach about happy things and joyful things and wonderful things and I don't really want to preach about betrayal because it's something that we all deal with and it's something that's extremely painful when we do have to deal with it. It's betrayal that reminds us that when we, when we open the door of our heart and let somebody in that we're vulnerable and when they take an opportunity to betray us the pain of that becomes, in some cases, almost life-changing. And it's President Weekend, President's Weekend after all. Can't we think about our country and the blessings and the joy and the prosperity and all of those things? And, and so the theme is from Mark 14, 32 to 52, betrayed. And it's a good exercise at the first part of Lent to think about those things. It's good for my heart to think about things that aren't sunshine and happiness all the time. Work through my own stuff and together work through this, this text. Because quite honestly, no matter how you cut it, we've all, we've all been there on one side or the other of betrayal. I'm reminded that General George Washington and his power and his stamina and his personality and all of those things, even George Washington had to undergo a, a profound sense of betrayal. One of his generals who had been markedly successful, who'd taken Fort Ticonderoga and the Indian Wars and, 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 and had done all this stuff and worked his way up to be a fantastic commander securing places in the Northeast so the Continental Army would be able to restore and resupply and be ready to go. But that general, for whatever reason, was passed over time and time again. He thought he was going to be moved up the line, and he wasn't. And the British came to him and said, uh, here you are, general. We'd like to see if maybe for 360 pounds of 
of an annual pension and 6,000 pounds, maybe you would come and serve as a brigadier general for the British. And that general betrayed General Washington, betrayed the Continental Army, betrayed his troops, betrayed his country. And to this day, his name is synonymous with betrayal and the name of the general is We know exactly that story. We know exactly who he is. We know exactly how that works out. Because betrayal has a, has a painful way of sticking in the heart and the soul of, of a person. A name synonymous also with betrayal is that of Judas in our text for today. A man who gave his friend for 30 pieces of silver... And I could never figure out why the Lord Jesus chose young men. Young men are susceptible to that kind of thing. Older guys kind of figure it out over the course of time, but, but Jesus chose 12 young guys. Guys, maybe teenagers like John Mark and middle 20s or so. He didn't choose 50-year-old guys. And there's not enough tread on the tire for a 50-year-old guy to go through and then come out the other side. So Jesus chose young guys. It was young guys who was in the, were in the garden with him. Guys who had active lives, but now because of the effect of, of life, they fell asleep when they were called to stay awake. They'd come to the garden of Gethsemane, dark and late. Jesus said, stay awake and pray. And he came back and found them sleeping. A betrayal of his order. He, went and prayed and came back again and said, are you still sleeping? They said, man, we can't help it like young men do. And then the crowd came around Jesus and he was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and a kiss in a garden. And then it all came down to what Jesus would do those next three days. But in that moment, he was betrayed big time. Betrayal cuts both ways, really does. There's those moments where we've been betrayed and sometimes it's a little simple thing where someone said, hey, could you keep this confidence? And you said, yeah, I'll keep this confidence for me. And, and they said they would and all of a sudden it gets back to you that they didn't and that stings a little bit and it hurts a little bit, but relatively small and benign depending on the secret. They betrayed your confidence and that erodes a little bit that relationship, that heart you have for them. Maybe someone said, I'll be there for you. I will literally be there for you. When you need me to help you move that refrigerator, when you need me in the hospital, when you need me to be there, I will be there. And you looked around on that Saturday and said, where's the truck? Where's the straps? Where's the thing? Or you look into that hospital room and you're on your own. You said, where's, where's my friend? I need it. My friend and they said they would be here they said they would pull this together but they betrayed their promise and again that stings and that erodes the confidence that we have in that individual and it reminds us that if we just close our heart a little bit maybe we wouldn't have to go through those painful pieces of life then there's the huge betrayals Big, big, life-changing betrayals. 
where the person said, I take you to be my husband or I take you to be my wife. And the vow goes by the wayside and the betrayal changes the entire course and trajectory of a life. A betrayal of that nature is life shattering, destroys families, destroys relationships and creates this hardened shell over a person's heart that leads to mistrust, can lead people to withdraw from other people because the betrayal is so painful. And that person who's been betrayed is always holding back a little bit, just a little bit. Want to be all in on a relationship. They've got to hold back just a little bit because they got smoked and burned and betrayed that one time. And now you just, you just can't give it all away. You can't put your heart out there all the way. It's just too vulnerable. It's just too frightening. You've seen too much. And being vulnerable just flat out isn't going to happen. And as surely as betrayal cuts that way, so too it cuts the other way. There are those of us here today who may have been a perpetrator as well as a victim of betrayal. In an animated moment of conversation with all the people around you, that, 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 that comment that was told you in trust got its way out of your mouth. And as soon as it got out of your mouth, you said, oh, I need that one back. And you knew you had betrayed the confidence of a friend, maybe unwittingly or, or, or maybe to kind of to gain an advantage for yourself. Or maybe you told that person, you know what, I'll be there for you. Uh, no matter what happens, I'll be the one. I'll stand up. I'll do it. I'll... And you knew you couldn't handle it. And you wrote a little bit of a check with your hopeful intentions that you couldn't keep and and maybe you're one of those ones who struggled with wedding vows and you withdrew from a close and loving relationship and somehow you would love to get that back again you would love to find a way to say I'm sorry I apologize I'd like to put life back together, but that opportunity just isn't going to happen. We know the bitterness, the 30 pieces of silver, that bitterness, money or whatever, just won't quench. We know the brokenness of the disciple who kissed the Lord. And as Christians, we need to realize as well that there's a bigger piece, a wider understanding of betrayal. In the fact that Jesus was on this earth and doing his ministry and in the garden praying and on his way to Pilate and Caiaphas. And because all those who have gone against God's commands and law have betrayed the Lord as well. And it was for our betrayal that he was on his way to the cross through the garden. Was kissed on the cheek and was led away. Jesus was betrayed. That was part of the plan. That was how it was supposed to come down. That was how it was supposed to be. One more step to being nailed to the cross and slowly but surely that betrayal would lead to a court and another court and a, and a flogging and a cross and a climb up to Calvary. And an isolation that only one who had been betrayed 
really, really knows. For the disciples to a man had said, we'll be there, we'll make it happen. You say, Jesus, we'll be there, we'll be ready to fight. And when the hurt came down, not only was Simon Peter not there, but Simon Peter betrayed and denied the Lord. And in our text, John Mark, who wrote this text, uh, speaks of his own denial, his own betrayal, as he runs out of the Garden of Gethsemane, and they grab his cloak, and he runs naked out of the garden. Each one had betrayed their rabbi, their teacher. But each one was restored to ministry. Peter in abode is restored and forgiven. John Mark, in his career, in, 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 in his work, is taken with Barnabas to travel throughout the Mediterranean and bring the gospel to the people. And, and finally, he and Paul make friends. And, and John Mark is a critical piece of what goes on in the next century of bringing Christ to the world. And so is Thomas and James and John and all the disciples of the Lord Jesus, all who had run, all who had been betrayed, but all who in Jesus Christ found life and salvation and forgiveness from that betrayal. It's amazing to me how that works and what that means. Jesus brings healing for the times that we have been betrayed. His grace has a way of renewing that, that crushed and broken spirit. His unconditional love toward us warms us and refreshes our, our hearts and our lives and repairs a wounded spirit. He's one of the few who can say, I was there and I've been through that. And I know what it feels like and I know how it is. But I'll walk with you through this. Follow me through betrayal and find the grace and healing that comes at the cross on the other, on the other side. Jesus and Jesus alone brings healing to those who've been betrayed. And in his grace, he brings forgiveness to betrayers. From the simplest little white lie betrayal to the monumental life-changing betrayals, our Lord brings forgiveness. That is to say, he absolves us from the eternal impact of our betrayals. He leads betrayers through a painful and lonely road of repentance and begs them, return to the Lord your God. The reality that every disciple left him and every disciple was called back into ministry bodes well for you and me. Because God in Christ does not hold sins against us. Rather, it's his work on that cross to renew and strengthen and forgive. To make weak arms strong and broken hearts ready to speak the word and the promise of Jesus. Those who betray find relief and forgiveness at the cross. I struggle with Lent, as I started saying. I struggle with it a little bit because I've got to look at myself. A lot of times I can get away with that. But looking at a text like this and putting myself in the, in the context of those disciples, I'd like to think as a young guy, I would have been there and been tough and strong and bold and I'd be ready to speak out. And that's ridiculous. I would have done exactly what those young men would have done. I looked with Jesus at soul, with sullen eyes, a dry voice and a pained heart. And had to say, I'm sorry, I wasn't there. 
than to hear those marvelous words of restoration and grace. To hear those words of Jesus saying, Son, I love you and I forgive you and we'll walk through this broken piece of life together. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That God himself does not look at us through a lens of judgment and calls us not to look at ourselves through a lens of judgment. But he beholds us in grace and calls us to see ourselves in the same hues and tones of that grace. He also calls us to look at others through that same lens, to, to be able to look at the broken and the hurting, those who have offended us and those with whom we've struggled in our lives and see them in the same hues of his grace as he sees us and we see ourselves. And in that to find the strength and the power and the resolve to hold them in our hearts in a gracious manner, in a loving way, seeing them as people who need the same Jesus that, that we need. Perhaps that's the good news of Lent, that the lens of the Father is put on the eyes of the Son and we are beheld in the grace of God through the betrayal, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Betrayed, yet we are forgiven and forgiven. We are one step closer to Easter. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.